I think my board up, Miles Lowe, is editorializing in his uh, in his music choices today. <laughs> After that conversation, uh, are you suggesting to us that, that that's Current Price's theme song, Miles Lowe? I, I, I hear the, yeah, he turned it up. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, Miles is editorializing in his, uh, in his music selections. In truth, June is Black Music Month, and every day on this program, we are playing the music of a particular iconic African-American artist. Uh, whose music is on our soundtrack, uh, and uh, if you ain't got Uncle Charlie on your soundtrack, then you missing out. Uh, and so today, all three hours of this program, you will hear some of the best of Charlie Wilson. We've done it every day this month, and will, as we do every year during June. Uh, it gives us a good excuse to play a lot of great music. So all three hours today, you'll hear the best of Charlie Wilson on this program on KBLA Talk 1580. Once again, we thank the Council President, Paul Krikorian, for coming on. Uh, to answer those questions, and I think I have a better understanding, as I hope you do, of where the council is on this. But once again, I hope that they will keep uh, those uh, three democratic principles in mind. Presumption of innocence, fundamental fairness, due process, and it will be what it will be. Uh, but again, I encourage you to read that article that I referenced earlier at BennyWally.com. I was happy to hear the, the council president say he had read the article. Uh, and he found many of those arguments to be compelling. That was a, that was a significant admission from the president of the city council. So if other council members read that and they find that article to be compelling, then maybe they'll push this thing back and give current price a chance to speak for himself. I digress on that. Let me move forward. I got two and a half hours to go. Uh, let me uh, welcome into this program Vanderbilt Professor David Eichert uh, for a conversation about the recent Supreme Court voting rights decision that went against Alabama Republicans. Now, you know how. Uh, this uh, court is stacked, 63 conservative majority. Uh, and uh, as my grandmother used to say, big mom used to say, baby, a broken clock is right twice a day. So there have been, been at least two rulings out of this court that have surprised uh, certain people. Uh, there was a, a decision the other day about Native American children. Excuse me. We had um, a conversation about that some weeks ago on this program, some months ago, in fact. And uh, there were many people who were surprised by the decision by this court. Uh, to protect the children on Native American reservations uh, from being unfairly, unduly adopted by folk who don't look like them. Um, I suspected, uh, I've said publicly a few months ago, I thought there was a chance that that case might uh, be advantageous, the, the, the decision that is might be advantageous uh, and be a welcome decision for our Native American brothers and sisters, primarily because uh, there are a couple of folk on the court, including Amy Coney Barrett, who have adopted persons uh, who are different than their own race. Uh, and so I was right about that in the end. And so that was cause for celebration by our Native American brothers and sisters. Um, here comes another decision, though, about uh, voting rights in Alabama that went against Alabama Republicans that shocked a lot of people. And to unpack that, again, I'm pleased to have Vanderbilt Professor Dr. David Eichert on this program. Professor Eichert, how are you today, sir? I am well... Well, how are you doing? Man, if I complained, I'd be an ingrate. I'm, I'm happy to, to, be a, <laughs> to be alive, happy to be on the air, and happy to have you uh, in, in dialogue. Let me make the most of the 20 minutes that we have left. Let me jump right in. Um, you heard my comments a moment ago that many of us were surprised by this ruling. Uh, how, how did you react when you heard about it? Uh, again, this is brand uh, new to me. I'm, I'm still processing um you know, the information myself. Mm -hmm. um, I think as I understand it, though, um, even though they ruled the districting of the um, the various uh, 
voting blocks where you um, <clears throat> where they make up the districts for the various uh, voting uh, areas, um, they didn't overturn the last vote in which those districts were mapped out. Mm-hmm. Right. So we get a we get a ruling that, of course, I think there was similar case in North Carolina a uh, couple years back where they ruled their district came big to be unconstitutional. But again, in this particular kind of context, they didn't overturn the actual elections that resulted from that uh, gerrymandered districting, redistricting of the, uh, the, the map, the voting map. Mm-hmm. But, but it is true, though, that if they had gone all in, um, the Supreme Court, that is, uh, they did have an opportunity here to gut the last protections of the Voting Rights Act, uh, the Civil right. Rights Law, of course, from the 60s, and um, they didn't go that far. Uh, I don't know how to read that. What's your take? Um, you know, th- this is a court that I, you know, it's, it's hard to figure. Uh, like you just said with the Native American ruling um, and, of course, the upcoming very pivotal upcoming ruling uh, about affirmative action. Mm-hmm. Um, we just know based on the overturning of Roe versus Wade, that this is a, uh, not only a stacked conservative court, but it's an activist conservative, a court, uh, Clarence Thomas uh, tipped his hand even before that ruling uh, that not only was he going to, uh, the court going to hear an attempt to uh, intervene and overturn Roe versus Wade, but they were also going to come after gay marriage. There were a couple other items that were clearly on his agenda. So it, when that came out, it seemed very clear that um, this was a court that was going to be even more conservative in their ruling than the general conservative population mm-hmm. um, who has uh, is, is much more moderate on things like abortion and uh, and gay marriage, which is why we saw right after that uh, announcement by Clarence Thomas, I think the Senate moved to actually install some protections of gay marriage because even in a conservative circle, that was a bridge too far, mm-hmm. right, in that regard. So this is a, you know, it's it's hard to really gauge why um, the, the, the court is taking some of these um, steps that would seem that they're a bit more moderate mm-hmm. than the previous postures here of late. I wonder, and again, this is completely speculation, if all of the uh, bad press that they've been receiving as a result of not only those types of rulings, but also these disclosures now about all this malfeasance in terms of taking payments and taking vacations that were not reported mm-hmm. and all these things that seem very, very problematic in terms of billionaires and millionaires uh, gifting them things that uh, eventually or inevitably affects the ways in which 
they ruled on certain things that these uh, people who are gifting them these yeah. things uh, have on their wish list or that are economically advantageous to them. So this is a court that um, may be responding, particularly the conservative justices, to some of that backlash so that they won't, um, so that there may in fact be some pressure that's being put on them to actually be less um activists in their in their conservative ruling yeah i, I hear your point it's uh it's it's um it's uh it's a persuasive point uh on the one hand on the other hand uh i don't think any of that uh means that we're not going to get a ruling on affirmative action a couple of days from now uh that will disappoint many of us i'd be uh, frankly surprised uh, again folks were surprised by this ruling uh, vis-a-vis um, the Voting Rights Act and uh, these redistricting uh, lines in Alabama. Uh, many were surprised, I said earlier, by the ruling on the Native American uh, children. Uh, but I do not think we're going to be surprised on the affirmative action ruling. Uh, I'm, I won't hold my breath on that. When we come forward, though, um, given that today, I'm looking at my calendar, today is the 59th uh, anniversary uh, of the murders uh, of uh, Schwerner, Goodman, and Cheney, Michael Schwerner, Andrew Goodman, James Cheney, in Mississippi. Uh, today is the 59th anniversary of the murder of those three young men, those three young boys. And so, when we come forward, I want I want to uh, have a uh, a conversation about what this recent decision by the Supreme Court means, broadly speaking, for civil rights. Uh, we'll unpack mm-hmm. that and a bit more with uh, Professor David Ike when we come forward on KBLA Talk 58. Let's unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. I'm Tabby Smith. This is KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. We continue now our conversation with Professor David Eichert at Vanderbilt University um, about civil rights in this particular American moment. I said moments ago that today uh, marks uh, 59 years since these three young civil rights workers, Schwerner, Goodman, and Cheney, were killed by members of the Klan while working to register black voters in Mississippi. Uh, we, we had a recent decision by the Supreme Court we were talking about earlier on voting rights in Alabama, but it's all and we're waiting on a decision on affirmative action. So it's all civil rights in one big however you frame it. Uh, it's it's all yeah. part of the civil rights agenda in this country. So I ask a broad question, Professor Eichert, uh, where you think we are uh, in, again, this American moment on civil rights on the anniversary of the murder of these three young uh, Americans? You know, it's a great question, uh, and we're in we're in a very odd time in our uh, historical moment. It reminds me of um, Carol Anderson's book White Rage, mm-hmm. right, where she talks about how if we look at the historical trajectory of America, anytime you have uh, any type of progress or momentum towards uh, giving black people uh, equal rights or some type of uh, advantage that puts them closer in line with the advantages um, and privileges that our white brothers and sisters have had for so long, there is usually followed historically by a white backlash, right? That, mm-hmm. that white rage is what, what she calls it, right? Lynching campaigns after the Civil War, uh, all the violence that ensued after the fall of Jim Crow, uh, even so far as like having a Donald Trump after having a black president, you know, a white supremacist president after 
having a black president for two terms. Mm-hmm. All of these Anderson points to are actually the cycle of Americans' kind of consciousness when it comes to kind of black folks. And so I don't think it's um, I don't think it's uh, uh, unpredictable. I don't think it's surprising that now that we have a, a first time a woman in the White House and a, a woman of color in the vice presidency, that that's followed by uh, a double downing of white supremacist kind of impulses uh, from the conservative right, um, which includes a rolling back of diversity and inclusion and equity programs like we just saw in Texas and other places, Tennessee, for example, where I am, uh, where we see somebody like Ron DeSantis, who's running on a platform, an anti-woke platform, which is really white supremacy, uh, you know, thinly veiled, um, you know, this kind of lost cause rhetoric about, uh, um, you know, the Confederate past and whatever. We see that a resurgence of that and creating this kind of impression that to talk about black achievement, to talk about civil rights, to talk about anything that makes white people uncomfortable about whiteness is somehow anti-American and anti-white. Mm-hmm. Um, in, the, in, the same, in the same breath, in the same moment, we have movement in California for, you know, some real significant uh, reparations. We saw that land that was given back to that family that was, it was stolen from. Uh, I think it was in Malibu. Bruce, um, uh, Bruce, Bruce's Beach, Manhattan Beach. Yeah. Bruce's yes. Beach, Manhattan Beach. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh-huh. And, well, of course, that's unprecedented, that that, that kind of thing uh, would happen or be recognized and actually movement on it in a very material way. Um, so there's, so at the same time, now we have, of course, African American studies, which is as controversial as obviously that has been. Um, it does mark a movement towards, like in academe, seeing this as a legitimate, yeah. right, uh, Let, field of study. Yeah. So at the same time, we have all of these attacks on a basic human rights of black folks, we also have this kind of movement towards like unprecedented kind of inclusivity and recognition. Mm-hmm. And in fact, what I see this backlash being vis-a-vis what Carol Anderson has said is a response to the fact that black folks have been winning in terms of pushing these uh, critical agendas to, to address their historical so, attacks and hope- historical whatever. So, this is, in fact, one of those moments where you see the, the, the tugs and pulls of democracy at work. So let me let me ask you when we come forward here, uh, forward then uh, right quick here, how you see this moment, as you put it, playing out uh, during the presidential election season. You mentioned Ron DeSantis. There are others. We'll talk about that uh, when we come forward with David Ockett on KBLA Talk 1580. Conversations that matter. matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Got about three minutes left in conversation with Professor David Eichert of Vanderbilt. Let me offer this as my exit question and get out of the way. Um, given all that you said and given that uh, we saw this um, Supreme Court ruling on voting rights in Alabama, uh, given that we expect the affirmative action decision to come in a matter of days, given that today, once again, is the 59th anniversary of the murder of Goodman, Schroeder, and Chainer in Mississippi, and all that you said, uh, how do you expect that race is going to show up in this presentation? presidential season? You know, that's that's such a great question, uh, uh, Tavis. And I, you know, I would, it'd be nice if I could say, oh, you know, I I can predict, right, how that will play out. But it's one of those, we're in an environment where you you just don't know how 
that that is going to move. People have to keep in mind that the actual uh, uh, case that's being in front of the Supreme Court was actually um, engineered by our Asian American brothers and sisters who pushed that, you know, um, anti affirmative action. Uh, campaign because they were saying it was is deleteriously affecting their ability to go to, you know, get admitted to certain schools. Mm-hmm. And so you see you have um, a push in places like Florida where you have some of our Cuban brothers and sisters and um, so on and so forth who are actually pushing a anti-immigrant, anti, uh, anti-black and, and um, pro-white supremacist uh, agenda. So this is and and again, keep it in mind that uh, Georgia came down to, um, you know, Asian population that came out in unprecedented ways in favor of Biden. And that kind of turned the tide there. We had uh, indigenous Native American populations in Arizona that right. came out in mass and supported Biden that turned the tide there as well. So. I, I, it's going to be one of those ones where you have to just kind of wait and see. Mm-hmm. I think I'm always surprised both at how rational the American polit- uh, uh, voting population could be and then how irrational it can be or how white supremacy yeah. can be in its impulses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I would hope that given some of the ex- the extreme um, rhetoric with that we're seeing that is so anti-black and, and anti-immigrant and anti and uh, is homophobic, transphobic, and, and and so forth. That you know it would be a bridge too far for even some people who would consider who would be leaning conservative who are independent. But I mean, it's just it's one of those things you just have to see, wait and see. So let me, uh, let me, in terms of how it plays out and no, I take, who decides to, to come out and vote. I, I take your point. Uh, I'll close on this note because I'm out of time. We'll, we'll leave it there. Um, uh, I hear your point about wait and see. With all due respect, I, I, I do have a crystal ball, and I can tell you it's going to be ugly. It's going to be vicious. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's, it's going to be a retrenchment like we've never seen when it comes to the issue of race. If Ron DeSantis uh, and Donald Trump continue to, uh, to, to do what they have done already, uh, the jury ain't out on how ugly this is going to be. I digress. I'm out of time. Professor Iker, thank you for your time. We'll do it again, sir. All the best to you. Appreciate you, sir. Thank you, sir. More of Tabby Smite after news, traffic, and sports on KBLA Talk 15.